0: Hello, and welcome to We Live for Saturday, your favorite college football podcast. I'm your co-host, Mike, and with me, as always, is your other co-host, John. John, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing really good. It's been a very busy, uh, eventful week. I, uh, as I've talked about, that someone accepted our offer last time, but now we are working on the closing procedure and... Which is always stressful because you're uh, you're hoping you know on these final inspections and everything like that that there's no big issues hiding behind those walls and therefore you know more dollar signs or you'll have to pull out you'll have to find the you know onto the next one but it's it's stressful but it's fun it's exciting and uh, I'm just trying not to let myself you know obsess too much over the all the dollar signs that I'm seeing so
0: you know yeah absolutely I can see where that would be intimidating but congratulations yeah. man I am very excited for you and you, and you know and the uh, and your better half to come back and have a place to live in Minnesota that's really that's really big stuff that's big ex- that's really exciting
1: yeah it is really exciting we're really looking forward to it it's the next chapter um it's just time for me to come home man it's been 20 years you know
0: crazy <sighs> crazy thing to say yeah that is a crazy thing to say. I mean, you've been you've been here a little bit, but you're yeah, right. off and on not here. For, and not for but not a lot. You're right. Yeah. You're not like consistently.
1: Gone. Yeah. Maybe I've come home for like maybe a total of two years in the, in the past 20 years. So, yeah, it's it's, it's mostly away. But yeah. it'll be good.
0: Awesome, dude. Well, that's really exciting. Um, And I How can't wait can't wait for you to be here. Well. I would say it's still brown and disgusting here. It's gotten we The snow is gone and we're back to having spring in February, which I don't like at all and just throws Ooh. me off completely. It makes me feel it's like when I lived in Los Angeles and like mm-hmm. 10 months a year, it's summer and two months a year, it's spring. So I re-
1: yeah, <laughs> I remember when you would call me on the days that it was raining and you were just elated. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. Like the greatest thing in my life because it was a change yeah and so we haven't i really like the seasonal change and we just haven't had a winter this winter yeah it just never really got cold we've hardly had any snow and it's just been pretty brown and gross so it's gonna be weird when spring hits because i feel like spring is already here it's gonna be like a it's like a slow march into spring we have and then i feel like that's when we're gonna get the big blizzard when as soon as we think it's over and we had a winter without any snow that's when the blizzard's gonna hit i'm predicting it now well, you know, Prince did say sometimes it snows in April. Sometimes it does. That's that's so true. That's yeah. awesome. That I love that you made that Prince reference and we're going full Minnesota because when you talked about how you closed on the house, it took all of my self-control not to make a closing time reference. <laughs> 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 wow, that would have been perfect. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Wow, I mean, yeah. hey, Dan Wilson just won a Grammy. So, you well, know, congratulations to him. Absolutely. But oh. yeah, man, things are good here. I'm getting ready. I'm going to a ball game tonight after we finish this up. So I'm going to go see the Gophers take on the Ohio State Buckeyes at, at in the barn. And it's uh, yeah, it's only might. the second game I've gotten to this year. And I love the barn. And I think there'll be more students than the last game I was at. And I always love to see which students rock which barn animals. Excellent. Love that, man. God, I, I can't wait to
1: be able to go to a game when I when I finally move back home.
0: Yeah. I mean, I respect it, though, because you got to think you're dressed up like a cow or a chicken. That's hot. It's a hot. You know, it's a little arena. Williams Arena is old. It's not big. It's cramped. Yeah. In there,
1: you yeah. know,
0: so I, I give it up for the students who have got to be sweating buckets inside those costumes.
1: Oh, yeah, man. Well, you know, you got to love the barnyard. You were there. You, you experienced it firsthand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you get it.
0: Absolutely. All right. Should we get to it? Let's do it. Yeah. First thing we want to do is, John, we made a little mistake last week. We We, uh we did Ohio State, which was not a mistake. I'm glad we reviewed Ohio State. That was great. But we forgot to thank one of our contributors. So I want to give a big shout out to at Chase Dis Paper One, like the number one, for his contributions to the Ohio State portion of the last podcast. He's a great Twitter follow. He's got quite a Twitter following, actually, John. He's popular on the Twitter.
1: Yes, he is.
0: Um, And he's a great follow for all things Ohio State. So thanks again to at Chase Dis Paper One. And I encourage you all to go give him a follow. It'll up your Buckeye knowledge immediately.
1: Yeah, we really appreciate his help. And um, we want to say, again, sorry. Sorry for missing you the last time, but... Yes, you know, we're going to try to keep we always try to stay on top of that, you know, but mistakes happen. Things fall through the cracks sometimes. But we're we're definitely going to be uh, we're more than willing and able to to uh, make up for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So thanks again. Chase this paper one. All right. So, John, last week we talked about how the expa- expansion of the playoff contract with ESPN was official. Well, it mm-hmm. turns out it's not official yet. What? I know color me shocked wow espn this is oh oh my gosh i mean the journalistic outlet that is espn oh. incorrectly stated this deal was a done deal Wow, and it, or somebody did somebody leaked to the press that it was a done deal mm. and it was not um so why the question is why was it leaked before it was official and am i you know i put on my tinfoil hat john and i say is this like to cement the idea that ESPN will control all the games in the college football playoff before they've actually attained the rights to continue controlling the playoff and maybe discourage any other potential networks from getting involved. Like, I don't know. Why was it? Why was that leaked before it was a done deal? The Mac commissioner himself said he hasn't seen the proposal yet. So that's Mm -hmm. interesting considering people previously claimed that it was done. I mean, Obviously,
1: this is me putting on my conspiracy theorist hat as well. Um, and we love to do know, that
0: once in a while here at the We Live for Saturday podcast. All right, I, sorry I interrupted you. Go on.
1: No, no, no. It's it, we absolutely do, and like, and I have my theories, and I have. I don't think I've been hiding my uh, my thoughts in the relationship between ESPN and the SEC, and um, <clears throat> and what it is that you know why who would benefit best from from that. And we both know, and I think we even discussed it on the last pod that the SEC would be the one to to benefit um, because, as much as people may not want to think, and, and may, there is no proof, there's no evidence, and this is just me, and you can call me crazy, you can call me on, on it, we can have a conversation, that's fine. And I was was listening to the Cover Two podcast today about Braden Gall, and he was talking about all the conspiracy theorists like myself, yeah, that think somehow ESPN, um, you know, dictates the you know the the college football rankings, but. They kinda do, in a way. They have a really
0: huge influence. Exactly.
1: Massive influence in the way they cover the sport. Exactly. And so and they have for a very long time. And I just it's hard for me to believe that somehow, in some way This was may not have been uh, or may have been some, you know, some kind of conspiracy between the two of them in the SEC, because, of course, the SEC wants to have the advantage in everything and they will do whatever they possibly can. Greg Sankey's no idiot and he will take whatever he can possibly get.
0: That's an interesting point, John. And after we will get into the advantages that the SEC and maybe also, let's be real, the Big Ten are trying to get out of this later. Yep. Um, but first, there was a really amazing article about these playoff negotiations in The Athletic uh, by Nicole Arbach, Chris Vanini, Stuart Mandel and Andrew Marchand. So I just wanted to uh, to talk a little bit about that story and some of the stuff that came up in that. Sure. Uh, first of all, some executives that are involved have described the playoff expansion, quote, as a mess. Close quote. They said they're treating the 26, 27 seasons as a blank slate with no special allegiance to previous playoff formats. But that large scale of a change means a lot hasn't been settled yet. So there's still a possibility that the other networks could have a place at the table and might want to bid on it. But that part is unclear right now, and it's also not clear how much the other networks do want to get involved, or whether you know whether they want to be further involved than they already are. Um, I would argue. <clears throat> Excuse me. I would argue that now that they're in, they have to go all the way in or they're making a mistake. But we'll we'll get to that later. I want to get through this article first. Um, ESPN could also choose to buy all the rights, but then contract out some of the games to other networks so that they would be have the opportunity to contract out up to five games each year. So that's really interesting. So ESPN would still control all the rights, but then they would kind of be selling out some of those rights again to the other networks. Now that seems a little strange to me. Like why aren't the other networks just buying directly from the seller? That seems like that would be cheaper than buying it from ESPN who already purchased it. Seems odd. Yeah. Um, but that's a possibility. That's a thing that could happen. And Oh, John, here's the best part. ESPN claims that they are getting impatient and will pull out of talks. If things aren't settled soon. Oh, That is a threat, and my guess is that threat is directed at the playoff to discourage them from seeking out bids from other networks. But for what it's worth, John, I don't believe for a second that ESPN would pull this offer. Not at all, no. I think ESPN's afraid that the other networks will bid up the contract and make it even more expensive for ESPN to broadcast it all. To me, this this just shows how desperate...
1: ESPN and Disney really are. And yeah. it's it's it, this is a desperate move, and that's a desperate claim. Um and totally freaking false. I don't care who is going to try to convince me otherwise. That's absolutely absurd.
0: Yeah, there's no way ESPN is walking away from this. I think it's really funny. But yeah. Fox, NBC, and CBS have been conspicuously quiet on this issue, and I really would love to know what their leaders are thinking about all this and whether they're planning to make a play to broadcast some playoff games. Now, Let's get into the fears. The big fear that most conferences have is that the, ES, the SEC and Big Ten could decide to do their own playoff and leave everybody else out. Now, I'm on record, John, saying that would be a terrible idea for the sport and would turn off fans from coast to coast. But it's a real threat. And yeah. given the financial advantage the SEC and the Big Ten have, this is something that we have to worry about, as it would ruin the sport. You can't call it a college football national championship if the natty is decided between two conferences and that's it. Yeah. So I'm a Big Ten fan, but it's important that we retain access for all those other leagues, especially the ACC and the Big Twelve, or else it's going to get really ugly and it's going to hurt the sport, in my opinion.
1: I totally agree. I mean, it, that but but like you said, that is a real threat because the Big Ten and the ACC absolutely could accomplish that and make that happen. Um, and it would, and then, you know, we would be solidified in that NFL light, um, idea. So, which is not what anybody wants. I don't want it. Um, like we sit, like you said, I, I too, um, am a big 10 fan, but I would, I don't want to ruin the integrity of the sport. And I feel like that would definitely do that.
0: So here's where it gets even more interesting. And I, I agree with you. Um, they're talking about the idea of having more auto bids. And how many more is the question? The SEC and the Big Ten are floating the idea that each league would get four auto bids. And then there would only be four to six or four to eight left on everyone else. Because they're not only are they talking about doing a playoff, but they're talking about expanding to 14 or even 16 teams. Yeah. So the SEC and Big Ten are apparently right now, I don't know if this is just posturing, but right now they're pushing the idea of getting more automatic bids than the other leagues. And I think that's a little dangerous if they really did get four bids per league. That's a lot, you know, maybe would the big 10 sec be willing to go down to two or three auto bids each. And would the con- other conferences even agree to that. I don't know if they would, if I'm in the big 12 or the ACC, I'm not agreeing to that. I'm saying that I'm saying that we have, uh, you know, I'm saying that we have the automatic bids for the conference champions and then that's it. And otherwise it gets picked by the polls.
1: Um, we'll be, the- The unfortunate thing with all of that, though, for the for the other conferences, and really, again, for the integrity of the sport is the SEC and the Big Ten, they have all the leverage right now. And they really can call some shots, they can push the envelope with this. And whether you agree with it or not, that's what they have, They, they have the ability to do that they have those cards in their deck. And so it's are they just like trying to see how far they can push they're just testing or are they really serious about this and they're going to do whatever they can because really at the end of the day, how much say does the ACC have, which is a, a dying conference? Yeah. How much say does the big 12 have, which doesn't really have any major, um, you know, uh, major label programs. I mean, they just don't, you know, anymore. And so the big 10 and the SEC holds all the cards and they're really going to be the ones calling the shots. So, I hope it doesn't go that direction,
0: but I could see it possibly happen. So here is my theory. My theory is that they're pushing the auto, the four auto bids each in the media, because, but that's not what they really want. I think what they really want are revenue shares larger than those given to the Big 12 and ACC. Mm-hmm. They could potentially receive a larger percentage of revenue for the Big Ten and SEC on a per league basis or on a per school basis. So, I think that's what the big Ten and SEC really want. I think they want the lion's share of the money out of this thing. And I think they know that the polls are probably because here's the thing in the new college football playoff, now that we're expanding past four teams um to twelve teams, strength of schedule is going to matter a lot more, yeah, because it's not going to just be you're undefeated or have one loss and you have a chance and everybody else is out. You know, there are going to be two or even three lost teams considered for this. You know, if we're in a 12-team playoff at yeah. times. So strength of schedule is going to matter a lot. And oh, I just, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that the Big Ten and the SEC are going to be fine. I think that they're going to get a lot of teams into the playoff no matter what they do. So I don't think they're going to push for the auto bids. I think they're going to push for more money. Yeah. Uh, for Speaking of that money, the current contract between the college football playoff and ESPN averages $609 million per year but escalates over time to closer to 800 million by the end of the next 2 years. But by the end of 21 31 32, the next 6-year deal, that's expected to balloon to 1.3 billion per year. Hmm. That's a billion with a B, John. Wow. That's wild. Our our sport that we adore is just, it's its incredible how profitable it continues to be and the way that profits continue to just go through the roof without ever seemingly. I know it's going to have to stop at some point and slow down or slow down at least, but mm-hmm. I don't know when.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so many conversations we could get into with, that we don't have time for. Just speaking on that right now with the revenue and how much money these conferences are making. Um, <clears throat> but we don't have the time. We can hit that, uh, at another
0: pod, <laughs> but it's just absolutely yep. bonkers. No doubt. Yeah. So here, here's the thing. So that's, that's going forward. I think that it would be a mistake for the other networks to let, we've said this before. I'm just going to say it one more time, just cause I want to be fully on the record on this. I think it would be a huge mistake for the other networks to let ESPN have this whole thing. Because if ESPN has this whole thing, then they're going to get to shape the coverage of the sport. They're going to get to shape the coverage. And it's like, I look at, you know, NBC, CBS, Fox, you're all in now. You're all <laughs> in on the Big Ten, which means the Big Ten success is important to you. Other college football success, the success of the sport is important to you. So you need to be at that table. You need to ha- take part in the playoff and pony up some money and do that. Otherwise, ESPN is going to make things the way they want it. And we know the way they want it. It doesn't. It's not that they tell people whom to pick. Like Braden Gall says, oh, they're telling people who to pick. No, that's not what any – no no one with a brain thinks that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. What happens is they influence the coverage of the sport and that coverage of the sport influences the rankings and yep. those rankings decide who makes it. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I, and if you, if you were deny like Braden, that that's a real thing, then your head is, you're putting your head in the sand and you're just ignoring the reality of the, of the sport. And, and it makes me question like who, like who are you working for? I guess, but, um, I I know that he I mean he's an SEC homer more or less and I know he he denies it but he is and he's um, from
0: Wisconsin too which <laughs> makes it even exactly. worse
1: yeah I know which is weird yeah I mean he he grew up watching and rooting for Badger football but you know whatever I don't know yeah um we've seen it with Kirk Herbstreit too so it you know it happens
0: you take the I don't some guys in the media man once you get into that establishment media suddenly you start fawning all over the SEC it's amazing how that happens unless you work for Fox now yes. Yeah. Now that the Big 10, now that Fox is invested in the Big 10, now that's different.
1: Yeah, but I agree man like and I think that is what most most fans uh want, you know, who aren't SEC fans. That's what everybody else wants and I don't even want I wouldn't even want it to be just Fox. I don't I would I think the No, more, no, absolutely more not. have involved. Exactly. Like I'm fine with ESPN being a part of it. But I also feel like we need we need more people at the table. We we need more insight. We need that to be more fair, and not just to the Big Ten either, like to the ACC, to the Big Twelve. You need those different voices. A group out of five there. leagues who get yes, worried. yeah, absolutely. And with ESPN, you're not gonna get that. I don't no. care what you say. You're not. They
0: only care about the SEC, and that's it. Period. Because that's what their money is is invested. Exactly. That's what they're paid to do. We talked about the FSU Alabama thing. We've talked about this ad nauseum. So, yeah, I'm with you. I was gonna, I was actually gonna be meaner than you, but I'm gonna go with you and try to not be mean and say, yes, if you're still saying denying the the ESPN influence, then you do have your head in the sand. Yes, I was gonna maybe say something else.
1: I agree. I agree with whatever you were going to say though. I'm just like, you know. <laughs> I would have backed um, you up entirely. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. But let's talk about the next two years of the playoff. Cause that's the current, that's where we're at right now. So that kind of finishes up with that article. Yeah. The new playoff format is the five plus seven model. So that means that the five highest, the high five conference champions will have automatic bids. So that's the sec, the big 10, The ACC, the Big 12, and then the highest rated group of five team Mm -hmm. will automatically be in. Those five teams will be in, and then the other seven will be at large picks, and that will be decided um, by the playoff rankings. You know, I think it'll just be in order. People will get in by where they are in the playoff rankings once we've accounted for those five uh, conference champions. Yeah. And John, one school in this country Mm -hmm. is pretty upset about it. They are.
1: And, you know, it's interesting because there is there's there's this one school that um, holds themselves above everyone else. And yet they're the ones who don't have a seat at the table. And it's interesting to me because as we've seen over the last couple of years to me and this, by the way, this school is the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Yes. Um, And they have been continuously over the last number of years now for maybe the last four years. Um, I feel the walls have been closing in and you can see the, uh, basically, and now with the sec and the big 10, essentially working together, it, um, you can see the walls are just closing in even further and that they are going to be forced sooner or later to make a decision. Now, what, the, I think Notre Dame, it's their, their next, um, when they renew their TV rights with NBC, it's in 2029 or 2030, 2030, I think. And conveniently, the Big Ten renews their TV rights in twenty nine and twenty or twenty thirty. And so NBC has already stated publicly that they prefer if the Fighting Irish play more Big Ten games because the TV ratings go through the frickin roof. Yeah. And it makes sense. It makes sense for Notre Dame. It makes sense for for the Big Ten. It just, you know, everybody wins, essentially but <clears throat> the problem is with whatever's going on over there in South Bend and you know the fans obviously but like clearly even within the administration and the athletic department they still somehow I don't know if it's denial or, or or just the superiority complex I'm not entirely sure but they continue to think that they still somehow can avoid the inevitable and they and because and the reasoning is Because we're still somehow better than you. And we're too good for that. And now I don't like to quote ESPN or Stephen A. Smith or Paul Feinbaum because I don't actually like them. But I can't disagree with anything that they said here um, on an episode of First Take. And I'm just going to read what uh, their quote and what they said. And I think it said, during a First Take discussion, quote, let me start. During a first take discussion about Notre Dame's situation, both Stephen A. Smith and Paul Feinbaum took turns burying the program standing in the college football hierarchy on Wednesday. Feinbaum said, quote, what if Notre Dame is number one? Well, first off, that's not going to happen. Marcus Freeman is a good coach. (laughs) They're not going to be number one. But if they were, it's their own fault. Notre Dame remains an independent. For what reason? I don't know. Remember when they lived off the ACC a couple years ago, 2020, during COVID? They joined the ACC for one season. And by the way, they got to the playoff as a result. But instead of joining the ACC, of which they're a member in every sport but hockey and football, they said, we're too good, you guys. We're going to go at it alone. Even though basketball and baseball and all those programs play in the ACC. Feinbaum then reiterated that Notre Dame only has itself to blame for being in this situation going on to mention uh, that the Dallas Cowboys frequent first. Okay. Yeah. um, First take punching bag for their inability to win a championship. have won a Super Bowl recently. The Notre Dame has taken home national title. Okay. Anyways. Oh, and then finally, uh, Feinbaum finished it off by saying as far as Notre Dame, cry me a river. (laughs) End quote.
0: Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Notre Dame gets to pick their own schedule. They don't have to go through the conference. And, like, yes, they they usually play a pretty tough schedule. But, you know, at this point, it's not on par with an SEC or Big Ten schedule most of the time uh, in difficulty. So they are setting themselves up to succeed scheduling the way they do. And they're avoiding having to play the best teams in the best conferences by doing that. Most of the time they're avoiding playing those teams. So that's going to give them a good shot to get in the playoff. But yeah, I agree. If they're undefeated, number one, Notre Dame is, is the fifth ranked team in the playoff because of that. Well, it's your own fault. If you had joined a conference and won a conference, then you would be number one, but they don't want to do that.
1: Yeah, or or get or you know get a guaranteed playoff bid by being in one of those conferences. So like that's that's the thing, but they're not yeah, they're not guaranteed that now and it's could it could end up being very problematic for them. Um I personally think that the you know, the conspiracy theorist in me, but I think there's a lot of things pointing to evidence pointing to it is that they will be forced to join the Big 10 in the future and I think that it may be um during that new TV deal negotiation process. Because like I said, NBC now in bed with the big 10 has out publicly stated, they want to see Notre Dame play more big 10 teams.
0: And we've said repeatedly, the TV networks run the sport now. Yes, they do. And Notre Dame has a ton of money. Yeah. Notre Dame has a ton of money, ton
1: of influence. No doubt. It is a huge, huge, huge brand. But in the landscape of college football right now, that doesn't matter. It's the TV networks that, will call, that are calling the shots. You can have a say as much as you want. You, know, you can kick and scream and, and whine and complain about it. But money talks. And if you want to f- like continue to compete at the highest level with the Big Ten and the SEC, there's going to come a time and a point where the only way to continue to do that is by joining a conference.
0: Yeah, I think that'll happen unless, counterpoint, unless in the new deal, they go to a 16 team playoff mm-hmm. because in a 16 team playoff, there wouldn't be any buys and then there'd be no automatic buy to get. Yeah. So I, I, I don't want just for what it's worth. I do not want to see a 16 team playoff. This mm-hmm. is not basketball. This is football. Yeah. Like that's just, off. that's just getting silly at that point. Yeah. Um, Being a playoff team has to really mean it. This isn't the NFL where half the teams make the playoffs or whatever. Yeah. Almost or something, you know, close to that. This isn't, that's not what it is. It means more in this sport. It has to. So I don't want to see that expansion, but that's, to me, that's the only way Notre Dame can stay put. Because Mm -hmm. that wanting to get that buy. there's going to be a year where, you know, maybe they're not there, but they're close. There's going to be a year when they're close and they realize that they have no chance at the buy, and it's going to be demoralizing for their fans. And they're going to demand and they're going to finally beat down the doors, I think, and demand they join a conference.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And I think there are, you know, a lot of fans, the loudest ones, you know, keep, keep, uh, you know, talking about how they're being, you know, either that they're, they're, no, this isn't going to happen. We're never going to do that. Our independence is too valuable. Or why does the big 10 want to trap us in? this is like, this is entrapment. Like why, you know, this is, you know, whatever. We're being bullied, you know, they're all, they're a victim. Um, But then there are some that are starting to come around. I've seen a lot of different, uh, you know, changes in their, in tone, I guess, amongst the fan base. I think some people see the writing on the wall. They may not like it, but this is what it is, man. I don't like the changing of, of the college football landscape either. I don't really care whether Notre Dame is independent or in the big 10. I think that it's just an inevitability. And with the way things are going, I, I mean, if I had my way, I'd change the conferences back to how they were, you know, decades ago, but that's not my decision.
0: No, that's, that's out the, that horse is out of the barn.
1: Yeah. So,
0: but we'll see, we'll keep tabs on it. Absolutely. It's going to be really interesting to follow. And I'm sure by next week, even we'll have more news about the playoff, um, about the, the extended playoff rights and the deals and what kind, what kind of decisions they've made or haven't made by then. So (laughs) we
1: will keep on the story. Can we talk just one more thing about the college football playoffs though? Can we talk about like, actually having games on college campuses. Oh man. Dude. I can't wait. That's incredible.
0: I can't. Oh, I can't wait. I have you know, it's I Wish I, there were
1: more, but yes.
0: So the first time, no, the first time an SEC or Big 12 or ACC team has to go and play in Columbus or Ann Arbor or Madison or Dinky Town or Iowa City, and it's December. I can't even describe how excited I am to see that game. I will watch that game like you wouldn't believe because those Southern boys are going to be in for such a shock. They have no idea what they're getting into playing in Big Ten country that time of year. So the jockeying for seeds is going to be huge. It's going to be huge. In the 5 through 12, you're going to desperately want that home game in the first round. Mm-hmm. desperately want it because you do not want to go on a road on the road and play in somebody else's house you know and especially if you're a southern team at that side time of year you don't want to take your roster full of southern players and for the first time be like now you have to play when it's 25 degrees
1: or colder <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah I mean,
1: could very well be 15 degrees 10 degrees we don't you know that's that's yeah. it's December in, in the midwest Yeah, Yeah. for sure, man.
0: Games like that in December, especially that's late December. I mean, that's the coldest time of the year. Yep. So that would be. I love it. Oh, I love it. I love it so much.
1: And I can't wait to see those Southern players look out at those stands and see them packed. Yep. In freezing temperatures, seeing the fans come out there. This like they like they would any other Saturday,
0: and the drunken shirtless portion of the student section making the most noise and and just just dr- just drinking to keep warm. Yes, love it. Ah, yeah, it's glorious, all of love it. it. <laughs> it's going to be so fun. It's a it's going to be a whole different experience for those teams. And I <laughs> honestly, John, the first one of those games, we should probably just go to it. Oh, I don't I'll care be who it is. I don't care if it's in Columbus or State College or whatever. We should probably just go just to see it.
1: Yep. I'll be rooting for whatever Big Ten team that is. You know, I'm a Gopher fan, but I gotta say, man, if it's if it's Wisconsin, if it's Iowa, I mean, I'm not gonna be happy about it. But I'll want to see you them win and and just show those SEC SEC teams or Southern teams, whoever they may be, um, what it's like to play up here, up north.
0: That's that's a bridge too far, even for me. But I'm glad. (laughs) (laughs) Well. (laughs) <laughs> All
1: right. I, I won't be sad if they if they if they lose, but I,
0: I, you know, I'll be somewhat, you know, OK, I'll be happier. I guess no, during in- hey, during the postseason, we can have some conference solidarity. That's OK. Yeah, I remember. Usually I have a bowl of picks and generally in bowl season, I just cheer for the teams I pick to win. Yes, so I'm not going to say I've never rooted for those t- teams to win games. But don't, but you're not going to say you did either. No, absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right, John, we're talking about all these changes in college football to the college football playoff and all these things. So we're talking about, let's talk about changes to the Big Ten and the four new Big Ten teams. So we thought we would have a little discussion just off the cuff, not too long or crazy and talk about the four new Big Ten teams, how they're gonna adjust in year one and also longer term. So let's start it out, John. Let's start with the Oregon Ducks.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I think Oregon is in a place that that no team since Penn State has been in. And that's in a place where I think they can come into the Big Ten and immediately compete for a conference championship.
1: I agree. I think Oregon is best set up to uh, to be immediately effective within the big 10. I personally, I think maybe we've even said this, but if not, um, I'll say it again, that uh, I think Oregon and Ohio State will be the teams battling it out this this upcoming season. Yep. And um, Dan Lanning is a fantastic coach. Um, he's got the right weapons there. He's got the, the way recruiting they've door- recruited
0: lately. Yes. is that- just crazy. Yeah. Better than anything anything they ever did under Chip Kelly or Mark Helfrick or any of those guys. Yep. Yeah, Dan
1: Lanning's got a got a great recipe going on up there. And I think that, you know, we've seen them continuously be competitive all the time, you know, for, for years now. But like, I think they're just going to be going on an extra, um, you know, they're going to up their game for sure and going to be moving on, on the next level. So and it'll be fun. I, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I actually am, you know, really excited to have Oregon Ducks fans on board and getting to watch those games and hopefully getting out to Eugene. I would love that. I always wanted to go to Autzen stadium. I th- it's probably gorgeous. I've been to Eugene, but I've never seen the stadium. So <clears throat> I think it'll be fun. And I think that they will definitely be able to be competitive. Like I said, and, um, continue to be so, I mean, just like Penn state did back in the nineties, I think that they'll continue to be one of those top tier, um, elite programs in the big 10.
0: It seems like that's what Dan Lanning has them set up to do as long as he continues recruiting at the level he is, which, yeah. you know, getting into the big 10, they might recruit even better, which is scary because they're already recruiting at like a top five ish level. Yeah. I mean, I don't,
1: I don't have it in front of me, so I'm not entirely sure what their offensive and defensive lines look like, but like they're going to now have access to a lot of those big boys in the Midwest and they'll be able to push some people around.
0: Yeah. It's going to be really, really interesting to see. And we know Dan Lanning likes to play a little more power football than we're used to Oregon playing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Bo Nix throwing the, throwing the rock around notwithstanding. Dan Lanning does want to grind you a little bit. He is a Kirby smart guy, you know? Yeah. Yep. So I think the Oregon Ducks are best set up for sure and are going to have instant success. I think I think that game uh, when Ohio State goes to Autzen in September, I think it's September, October.
1: I think so. That could yeah. be.
0: That could be for the Big Ten. Yep. That could. The winner of that could be, you know, could have. The, will will likely have the inside track to winning the Big Ten, in my opinion. Yeah. Absolutely. Totally agree. It's going to be massive. All right. So Oregon, instant success, instant juggernaut. You know, we think that the the Ducks are going to have a lot of success in the Big Ten, uh, despite how hard it is to jump into a new conference. I'll say. Let's move on and let's talk about the next school, USC. So, USC, they score a lot of points. They have a phenomenal offense. They recruit great. You know, they recruit at a top 10 level, sometimes even better than that. And I just we haven't seen them play any defense mm-hmm. under Lincoln Riley. Any defense at all. And they went 7 and 5 last year with Caleb Williams playing quarterback. So that's not a good sign.
1: No. Uh, I think USC is going to struggle. Um and they might for a little while. I'm not convinced that Lincoln Lincoln Riley is the guy. Um I think if he puts together another 7-5 season or worse, especially now playing in the Big 10 where he's going to be facing um, elite defenses more, you know, more regularly, um, not saying every week, but Quite often. Uh, and it's just going to be a whole nother game, man. I think that the, that high powered offense um, looks great or has looked great in the PAC 12, but they haven't played secondaries like you see in the big 10 and it's going to be, it could be even worse. And if Caleb Williams was struggling last year, I'm just not sure how it's going to look this year. Could be I think
0: the biggest disparity between, I think the biggest place where the sec and the big 10 separate themselves from the rest of college football is on the defensive line. Yeah. That's where you look in the Pac 12. There are a lot of guys, a lot of guys playing nose tackle in the Pac 12 at 270, playing defensive end in the Pac 12 at 245. And like that doesn't work in the Big Ten unless you're the biggest freak, unless you're not just a freak athlete, but the biggest freak on the field. That yeah. does not work in the Big Ten. You need guys who are bigger and stronger and just and faster, frankly, mm-hmm. to play at those positions. And that'll be a big adjustment, I think, for USC. I think USC will still score a lot of points, but I don't think it'll be as automatic. One, because they're losing Caleb Williams, but also just because the defenses they play are going to be a lot, in the Big Ten every week are going to be exponentially better than what they're used to seeing in the Pac-12. Yep. At and the same time... Yep, go ahead. At the same time, when you talk about s- offensive skill positions, you know, USC is in that Ohio State tier of offensive talent always. They always have the running backs. They always have the receivers. I forget what the really dynamic guy's name is right now. The one with all the big returns last year, I am forgetting his name offhand, but he's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I USC is going to be really dynamic. They're going to be a problem. They're going to be a big problem. They're going to score a ton of points, but I also think they're going to give up a lot of points. I do like the defensive hires they made. You know, they took uh, the head coach from NDSU and they got a decent, you know, They've got some decent coaches on defense now, but will Lincoln Riley allow them to practice in a way that benefits the defense? Because Mm -hmm. that's the big problem with air raid teams. The way they practice often leads to poor tackling. So that's going to be where, that's going to be where USC needs Lincoln Riley needs to change that. And the question is, is he stubborn? Is he going to stand his ground and say, this is the way I did it at Oklahoma. This is the way I do it. Or is he going to say, Hey, we really need to find a way to tackle better no matter what. Yeah. and be willing to change the way he practices to tackle better. And maybe at the expense of a little bit of offensive work to make sure they tackle better than they have.
1: Yeah, you have to be more balanced. And uh, by the way, I believe that the receiver you're talking about is Zachariah Branch.
0: Yes. That's yes.
1: Him. Um, and so, yeah. So he's that, a pro-
0: He's a problem. He's a dude.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be he's he'll definitely be competing for wide receiver one um, this year. But I think you're absolutely right, man. I mean, you just have to be more balanced. It it cannot be a one sided deal. You, you will win games if one side of the ball, as we've seen with Iowa, um, yep. you will win games if you're really, really elite on what, you know, on the defensive side or the offensive side. But you're totally. Um, inefficient and inept on the on the other, you know, it's not going to happen. You're not going to go to the places I think you want to, um, especially the with the way the Big Ten is uh, formatted now. I, it's not going to happen. So you really got to find out, find a balance, um, not to say you'll win games or you'll be at the bottom of the, the Big Ten by any means, but it's going to be a, a tough road. I think it'll be a big adjustment for USC. Yeah,
0: I think year one could be kind of another seven and five kind of year. Yeah. I think they're gonna get. I think they're gonna get. Frankly, I think they're gonna get trucked by the Oregon's and the Ohio States and the Penn States of the world. I don't think they're gonna. I haven't looked exactly at their schedule lately to see exactly which were those teams they play, mm-hmm. but I, I do think they're gonna have problems with those top tier Big Ten teams until the defense improves. Yep. Now, if the defense improves, you know, if if this year is an improving year, then it's possible by next season that USC will be playing on all cylinders because the way they recruit. It doesn't take long to turn things around if you got the right coaches, you know? Yep. So that's the good news for USC is with the talent they have, they should improve they should improve quickly on defense. If they don't, then you really have a question about Lincoln Riley long term, I think.
1: Well, it looks like they're playing they're starting off with LSU, which could that's gonna Ooh, be rough. That's not and then they're playing in the Big Ten, you know, the big hitters here potentially um are Michigan, Wisconsin, Penn State. They're playing Washington obviously uh and then I uh, then at the end of the year Notre Dame and then but they're also coming to Minnesota so that that's which that won't be an easy so game they, either. They miss Ohio
0: State and Oregon, huh?
1: They do miss Ohio State and Oregon. Oh, uh,
0: okay. So maybe they'll do a little better than I thought.
1: Yeah, maybe they, they could possibly. I could see eight wins here, you know. Yeah, For, for sure.
0: sure.
1: But either way, it's but not an easy eight.
0: No. No, definitely not. They're going to be Like I said, it's going to be you're going to be in Iowa or you're going to be in Madison or Dinky Town losing 10-7 in the second quarter, wondering what the F happened. And you're going to realize you're in that's when you're going to realize you're in the Big Ten Conference. Yep. And I think I I think, you know, USC will win more of those games than they lose, but they're going to have some some struggles, too. It's yeah, that's that's interesting. I would have given USC if I were in charge of the Big Ten, I would have given them a much tougher schedule to start out (laughs) (laughs) but I guess you have to make the schedules balance out somehow.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: All right. So USC, we think they might struggle a little bit this year, but then at that point, I think they'll get better. Eventually either Lincoln Riley is going to get better as defensively as a defensive coach, or he's going to get fired and they're going to find somebody who can coach defense.
1: Yeah. And, and we know they have the funds, they have the money there to find a good coach. So like, I don't think by any means, they're just going to be some like mid tier team forever. Like they just may, it may take them a little while. If, if Lincoln Riley's not the guy you might see, it might not be for another three, four five years, you know, probably not five, but that's what I'm expecting is they may struggle a little bit at first, but they'll get up there and they should be competitive. Uh, I don't know if they're ever going to be, you know, Ohio state tier or, you know, even where Oregon seems to be right now. But I think they might, they could have the potential to compete at the top from time to time.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I mean, the way USC, we said it before, the way they recruit means they always have a chance to turn it around soon. Yep. So that's the great thing about recruiting at that level is that you don't have to have a, 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 as much development as you do at other schools. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Let's talk about, we talked about the USC Trojans and the Oregon Ducks. Now let's talk about the Washington Huskies. So, John, I think it's going to take a while to rebuild, considering they lost their head coach and just about all of the guys who played key roles last year. I mean, talking about they lost, I think, what, 18 starters or something, including all 11 starters on offense?
1: Yeah, it's a lot.
0: That's a lot to lose, and you're coming into a new, tougher conference, and you've got a brand-new head coach who has to install his systems and get people to understand the way he works and what he's trying to accomplish and all that kind of stuff. I think it's going to be a really tough year for Washington in year one. I think so too. Even last year, even when they were winning, sorry to interrupt you. No, sorry. Even When they were winning, they were still doing it with 270, 65, 70 pound D tackles. And I just think Washington's going to get run over for one Mm -hmm. by opposing offenses. But then I also think the offense is going to take a while along. You know, it's going to take a while to, to rebuild.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, they had so many weapons on that offense and I, I just, how do you replace that? How does any team replace that much talent? Um, you know, unless you're Ohio state, uh, you know, that just doesn't, doesn't work that way. So, yeah. um, I do, I agree. I think they're going to struggle. Um, but as we've seen with Washington historically, you know, they have high highs and low lows, not a lot of in between. Uh, I can see them, um, Yes, maybe like for the first two, three years, uh, depending on how Jed Fish does, which is still, you know, remains to be seen. Um, that if he does okay, you know, they can work up to maybe a consistent, you know, seven, eight, eight game, uh seven, eight wins a season and kind of stick around there with every once in a while having, you know, 10, 11 wins. I could see that happening too. Uh, they're, it's it's definitely a good program. They've got a lot of things. I think that it's a very strong program, and they really invest in football there. So yep. I think they'll be okay in the long run. Uh, it's just going to take a few years, maybe, to get back back up there.
0: Yeah, I think they're going to have to change their defense and their and their and their line of scrimmage recruiting. The way they recruit up front is going to have to change to adjust to the Big Ten.
1: I think that's a theme with I, I'd have to say pretty much every team that we're going to be that we're talking about right except now except Oregon except exactly. Oregon yes yeah yeah they're
0: already a juggernaut there yeah all right so yeah washington think they're going to have a rough year this year but ultimately i think washington long term in the league will do pretty well
1: yes agreed
0: all right ucla boy i think it's going to be hard for a while john yeah with the way chip kelly abandoned high school recruiting The last few years of his tenure, there are a lot of holes in that roster. I think Deshaun Foster is going to need three to four years to turn this ship around in a tougher league like the Big Ten. And I hope UCLA gives him the time he needs, because if they try to fire him in two and a half, three years, no matter how bad it's badly it's going, I think that'll probably be a mistake because he's shown he has the energy that he's willing to try to raise money from donors and also that he's going to recruit a lot harder than Chip did. Yeah, And so you have to give him the time to recruit and build up a roster because now you're going into a much tougher league and you lost. And Chip Kelly just frankly has not been, has not been, he's, he's been planning to leave for a while is what I'm saying.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So I don't think he was, he was not taking care of the UCLA roster like a guy who was planning to be around. Yeah. I, I agree. I think
1: that UCLA, at least for sure this year is just going to get bullied. Pretty much everywhere where they where they go, I know that there's still been some national media personalities out there that think teams like you know Minnesota or Nebraska or you know Illinois are, are going to get some are still are somehow going to lose to UCLA. And I'm sorry UCLA fans, like I'm not saying that there aren't potential wins there, but like you're going to find that what you perceive as the bottom or mid tier level teams in the Big Ten are going to be a lot more difficult than you think even let's say you know Rutgers which has been at the bottom of the Big Ten for a long time is no longer that the floor has been raised and I think what all of these teams are going to find is that the floor in the Big Ten is a lot higher than what they're what they're used to so the depth
0: of coaching talent and playing talent is just wild
1: yes so uh UCLA I'm sorry but I think it's going to be pretty rough for a couple years But like you said, if you give your coach some time, um, you know, it's, it's definitely possible. It's a historic storied program. You should, you know, I, I, I'm happy to have them here. I love, I'm a huge history buff. I love the fact that they're there. I love that the Rose bowl is now in the big 10. That's really exciting. Um, but yeah, just be prepared Bruins fans to just, you know, be patient and and you're going to take some lumps for a while.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And just just to highlight that, here's the difference. Here's what they're up against. So the NFL combine um he, John, here are the number of players from each conference going to the NFL combine this year. You ready? Yeah. Mountain West 13. Pretty good for a group of 5. Yeah. Big 12 38. The ACC 47. The SEC 89. And the Big Ten, 90. Oof. So that is, if you're keeping track at home, the Big Ten and SEC have twice as many NFL prospects at the Combine as the ACC or the Big 12. Almost twice as many as the ACC, more than twice as many as the Big 12. Yep. So when we talk about the separation to a power two, that's what we're seeing in the recruiting rankings to to a large extent, but, that, but we're really seeing it with the NFL combine, which is probably the best. Honestly, it's probably better than recruiting rankings in deciding how strong leagues are, how many guys are getting invited. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's what,
1: that's what these four teams are in for is to be facing that level of talent on a weekly basis.
0: Yeah. you're, you're, You're facing NFL talent, every like serious NFL talent on other teams every single week. Yep. Yeah. So, um, I will say about UCLA, I like Ethan Garbers as a quarterback. I think he's a good player. So I do think that they're going to be good for an upset or two in a game. You know, there's going to be a game or two where he plays really well and they're going to mm-hmm. win. The other problem, John, that UCLA has this year is that to, to Big Ten fans, the Rose Bowl Stadium is mecca. Yep. It is. It's a religious site. So they're all of – and UCLA has almost no – or has had almost no home crowd at their games the last couple years. It's been really ugly in most of their games. So I think John, we're going to see these big 10 teams in year one and two against UCLA. I think they're going to bring 10, 15,000 fans with them. I know as a gopher fan, everyone's got that game circled. And when we went down, we went down to Colorado a couple years ago, the gophers brought 15,000 fans. I think it's going to be like that in Pasadena this fall. And I yep. think it's not going to just be when Minnesota plays there. I think when almost every Big Ten pl- team pl- that plays there is going to see is going to bring a is going to bring enough fans to make it feel like a neutral site game, and that makes it hard to win games too.
1: Yeah, man, I, and you're absolutely right. You know, it being a mecca for the for the big for Big Ten fans, and I think that you're you're absolutely going to see a lot of Big Ten teams travel, and it's going to unfortunately not be. Um, covered in UCLA colors. It's going to be, it'll be a lot of red, a lot of red and white, a lot of scarlet and gray, a lot of maroon lot and gold, maroon and gold a lot. Yeah. Like it's because the, the thing is, is like the big 10 has so many, uh, alums in these major cities like LA, like Chicago, yes. like New York city, like that. you know, why that's why the big 10, you know, has decided to take over those areas is because of that. And, and, Those people will travel and they will show up to the Rose Bowl and it's going to be it's going to be tough. It'll be beautiful to see the at least the stands full, but like, yeah, yeah. Tough for Bruins fans. Yeah.
0: So UCLA think it's going to be a really tough for a year or two. Um, And I just but again, UCLA has access to good talent. They have a young, energetic head coach. So mm-hmm. I think there's potential at UCLA, but I think Bruins fans are going to probably have their patience tried pretty hard these next couple of years. Yep. All right, John, we move on and talk about probably the most important topic we're going to talk about today? I mean, this topic
1: has to be the most important because this is something, I mean, I, I don't want to say I am speaking for everybody, but I'm just going to say, I, I I believe I probably am. This is the biggest deal that has come about surrounding college football in 10 years and this is ea sports college football 25 the game is actually coming out we've been hearing about it for years now that they're talking about it and it was in the preliminary stage and we've all been waiting to hear it like fall apart and not happen and all that kind of stuff because nil is going to be too big of an issue or you know all these other issues and problems because it's hard it's to make this game it's not as easy as the NFL they have to jump through so many hoops, so much red tape. So I can understand that, you know, ever since, especially with name, image and likeness, but it's happening. It is going to be released. We don't exactly know other than it's going to be this summer, Um, but it's super freaking exciting. I know that they, uh, EA College Football has offer is offering players $600 for their likeness. Um, You know, some players can decide to opt out and they can be, you know, which is just fine because all of us grew up playing with like just numbers anyways no names um so if you want to do that fine i personally don't care that's your loss actually you're out six hundred dollars and you're also out from playing in one of the most anticipated games like in the last i don't yeah like 10 years so john
0: they don't just get six hundred dollars they also get a copy of the game
1: yeah so there you go man i mean that's huge like oh it's great
0: i don't even college kid Six hundred dollars and a video game, yeah, great. Just give me the video game and I'll be happy. Like
1: I don't yeah. care. You know, I mean, six hundred bucks is great, but like, dude, like if, even if that was just the thing, I'd be, I would sign me up, man. And it's and they'll have all uh, all one hundred and thirty four FBS schools. Um, I think they're the they're gonna have you know any players that name, image, and likeness of any players that choose to opt in. Um, they will not, though, have uh head coaches. Um, and they're oh, not going yeah yeah, they're not gonna have head coaches and they're not going to have any FCS programs at this point in time. but I do believe mm-hmm. that that's already being discussed as a DLC at some point, um which is also exciting. That's great. Um good for those programs they, you know um, to be represented. And I think do is there anything else? Yeah, so anyway, that's that's kind of the gist of it right now. Um, but it's exciting, man. And I think everyone is super hyped about it. You see it all over Twitter. Um, you know, ESPN, Yahoo Sports, everybody's reporting on it. And it's it's every time something new comes out, even if it's just a little trailer or a little blurb, it's it's, you know, headlines. So I think I'm I'm personally super excited. Um, I'm probably going to, you know, ha- get in trouble from my fiance by not paying too much attention to her. And especially when we're <laughs> buying a new house and, you know, <laughs> when I'm supposed to be working on something for the house, I'm, you know, somewhere hiding away playing playing this game. But, you know, it's mm-hmm. the way it is. I'll deal with it. I'm happy about that.
0: Absolutely. And we grew up playing this game, John. Yes, we did. We would we would take it. Uh, sometimes we take it out, especially in the winter. We take it out to the lake cabin yes tv there was no there was no uh my family never had a never had a tv at the lake so we'd bring our own tv bring the console in the game and Mm -hmm. just you know get some snacks and just set up shop and play and just play and play and play and play all night
1: all night it was so much fun man like you know i can't you know how many dynasties we went through and you know, it was because uh, especially it helped us because it was those were like early on. I think it was like the Brewster years, you know, and so yeah. we were depressed. Yeah, and the only way we could see product. the Gophers win is if we played that game. So, yep. you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. So it'll be exciting to have it back. Um, John, you and I also once lived together and played a lot of it then. Too. Yes, we did. Yep. So, yeah, very excited to get play ncaa football again i might have to do something i haven't done in a long time and buy a gaming console i have to i have to purchase one of
1: the new ones too i I have not bought one of the new generations yet i've held out it was so expensive before it's not that it's cheap now but it's way way cheaper than it was when it first came out but i'm gonna have to you do mean, the, the same, old
0: man. ps2 won't work i know right like i wish it <laughs> would. <was. laughs>
1: like my xbox 360 still works actually yeah. and i do play it on there but like you know, there's no internet connection. It's yeah, it's just me and the computer, but that's cool. I'm fine with that.
0: I have, I still have a good time. NCAA 14 stood up, dude. It really did. Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. That's awesome. All right. The new NCA football game, new NCAA, uh, I guess, NCAA 25, it'll be? Yes, correct. So that'll be fun to track that. I'm sure a lot of you will be out there playing at home. So we'll Absolutely. talk about that more as it comes up. And uh, last, John, before we get into these reviews... Wisconsin hired a new defensive line coach. EJ Whitlow was previously the DN's coach at Air Force. And before that was at Miami of Ohio. I'm not too familiar with him, but he will try to revitalize a Badger D line that took a big step back, step back last year without Keanu Benton. Okay. Yeah. I'm not familiar
1: with him either, but you know, best of luck and, and they definitely needed to make some changes there.
0: Yeah. And fickles Fickle's been pretty good at hiring coaches. So I assume it's probably a good hire yeah all right let's get into our reviews today we are doing rutgers and ucla so our rutgers insider is ben and his twitter handle is at ben k digital so we want to thank ben for all his help he gave us some great stuff and he's a great twitter follow for uh, all things rutgers and also college football in general thank you ben all right What position groups were good in 2023-24? Ben highlighted the secondary. Max Melton's currently projected a top 100 NFL draft pick. Robert Longerbeam and Flip Dixon were major playmakers. And uh, Salam made some big splash plays as well. Running backs, I mean, Kyle Manungai led the Big Ten in rushing yards. Became the first Rutgers RB to rush for 1,000-plus since 2014, John. Wow. That's a long time to not have a thousand yard rusher. Yeah. So that's impressive that he was able to do that and have such a big year last year. Sam Brown, he says was a highly touted RB, but has dealt with injuries finally looked healthy late last season. So they're hoping he can be kind of number two to that one, two punch at running back for Rutgers and maybe take some of the pressure off Kyle Manunga next year. Yeah. Going to need that for sure. Yeah. I mean, you can't run Kyle into the ground.
1: He's, he's amazing, but you lose him for one game and it can be can be dangerous.
0: Yeah, yeah, you need someone else who can take that, you know, 8 to 15 carries a game depending on how things are going. Mhm. Which unit struggled? Wide receivers. Ben K says they legit had nobody. Their go-to. <laughs>
1: That's good. Their go-to opt- answers are my my most favorite. Sorry, like I love it when you when
0: we get those kinds of answers. That just it yep.
1: always makes me happy.
0: Absolutely. Uh, their go-to option was a 185 and eighty-five pound Christian Dremel. He made some big plays, but not ideal as a number one receiver. Ian Strong had an awesome TD in that first game, but then got injured. And no receiver had more than five hundred yards receiving, and only three had over two hundred. Oof. So that is that is rough at receiver. And then also, similarly, quarterback struggled. Mm-hmm. Gavin Wimsat looked more comfortable and confident in the offense this year, but accuracy was still terrible and made some huge errors, including the pick six versus Wisconsin that turned the game. missed TD and just other pick six errors or other interceptions and pick six errors. Uh, just forty seven point eight percent completion percentage. So that's really rough. He did yeah. have 497 yards rushing and 11 TDs running though. So Gavin Wimsett is a real dual threat. Uh, the thing is, the problem is he just defenses know he can't throw the ball well consistently. Yeah.
1: It's tough, man. It's tough to watch when you watch him play because like he's like there are drives where he you're like, oh, man, it's coming together and he looks great. And then, yeah, like that, just like you know with Wisconsin, here, you know, that, that you're about to put it in the end zone and then it just all falls apart. So, yeah. Hopefully you can improve
0: exactly which injuries hurt the most wide receiver Ian Strong and defensive lineman Aaron Lewis. What were your most pivotal games and how did they go versus Michigan State came back down from 24 to zero to win 2724. That's an amazing win. And without that, they don't go bowling. So that's a huge game. How do you feel about the coaching staff and were there any coaching staff changes during or after this season? If what, if so, what are your thoughts on both the new and departing coaches? Now, John, we didn't get an answer from Ben on this question, but it looks like the Rutgers staff has been pretty solid. They did lose linebackers coach Corey Heatherman, who was named as Minnesota's new defensive coordinator and continues the incestuous relationship between Rutgers and Minnesota coaches and even players. So that's a big loss. Uh, it looks like D.C. Joe Harris-Simiak, though, is taking over and coaching linebackers. So, you know, considering the D.C. is taking over, it's probably probably not a big loss. And uh, Rutgers just announced a coaching staff change for tight ends. They promoted Scott Valone to be the next f- tight ends coach. He played for Shianu at Rutgers from 2008 to 2012, spent the previous years as a D-line coach at Fordham and then at Rutgers as an offensive quality control assistant. So this guy knows Shianu's system. So it makes sense that they promoted from within here, but they're not getting a guy with very much experience. So, you know, it's one of those things where it could go great or it could go terrible. There's probably just no way to predict. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you promote a, promote a quality control guy. That's, you know, it could be good or bad. You never know which players will make an immediate, immediate impact next year. He said incoming freshman KJ Duff is a four star tight end. Shianu's offenses always thrive when there's a big bodied, reliable tight end transfer wide receiver, Demir Miller. This guy led all FCS wide receivers with 1,295 yards. So nearly 1300 receiving yards is impressive at any level. So it's understandable that Rutgers is excited about this guy. Yeah. Incoming freshman, Elijah King is a big edge rusher from Ohio who picked Rutgers over 18 schools and had 14 and a half sacks as a senior. So that was a big win for them. And then freshman Ben Black, is a three-star athlete. Rutgers has lacked versatile playmakers, and they really need hoping he could be a guy who could make plays for them on the offensive side of the ball. And then I would add, John, quarterback, Ethan kaliak Manis, who transferred from Minnesota to reunite with offensive coordinator Kirk Soraka. And well, I'm sure Gavin Wimsett will have a chance to compete for his job, I got to believe if they brought Ethan in, the idea is they're hoping he beats out Wimsett.
1: Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, I think you will definitely see a quarterback battle uh throughout the earliest early part of the season. Um, you know, because I, I do I still think Athan has a high upside, but can he get yeah, out of his head? Yep. Can he get out of his own head and got I mean out of his own way Because he, he just he can become a head case. But maybe with Sharaka there, um that might help him. You know, hopefully that will uh cause him to maybe Keep his emotions in check a little bit better and make some better decisions,
0: yeah, so it'll be interesting. um that said, he's not the running threat that Wimsat is, so no they're gonna need Ethan's gonna need to improve as a passer because he's not going to give them on the ground what Wimsat gave them. so he's really going to have to prove that he's the better passer. if it's no. close between them as passers, Wimsat's gonna win the job because he's a better runner, yep. So, Aethan's got to separate himself passing, and that's something that he really struggled with last year. So, mm-hmm. we'll see if he can get back to some of the form he had as a frosh um, when he had some games where he played pretty well. hmm What are your thoughts about all three of your coordinators, offense, defense, and special teams? John, we didn't get an answer from Ben to this question, but I personally think both D.C. Joe Harrisimiak and O.C. Kirk Shiraka did a decent job last year. It's tough to run an offense when your QB cannot throw. But Rutgers managed to do that while leaning on their defense and also running back Kyle Yeah,
1: I totally agree. I think offensively, you know, they they showed some flashes. I think, you know, if they do are able to upgrade at the position of quarterback, they should definitely look a lot better and find a couple more receivers defensively. I mean, that defense was outstanding. I I really think Joe Joe Harris, is is the real deal.
0: Yeah, he's he's fantastic. So I I think that, yeah, I, I agree with you there. What letter grade would you give your team for this past season? Ben gave them a B, said they made a bowl game for the first time since 2014, beat the teams they needed to beat, held their own against Michigan and Ohio State. He said, disregard the final score. Both games were close, you know, into the second half. Uh, can't give them an A, though, because Shianu still doesn't have a signature win. And he feels like Wisconsin was a game they could have won, and their QB situation still isn't great. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's fair. I think with as much as Rutgers has struggled for them getting to a bowl game and winning that bowl games, they deserve a B.
1: I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If they would have had that that win against Wisconsin, um, it definitely could have been higher. Uh, but yeah, I think again, like I said, like the you know, the floor is getting higher in the Big Ten and and Shiano is definitely making that happen at Rutgers. They're they're moving up.
0: What position groups are you most excited to see going into spring ball? Why? We didn't get an answer here, John, but I for me, it's all about the QB battle. It's mm-hmm. all about between Gavin Wimsat and Minnesota transfer, Ethan calliak Manis. I think that's going to be one to watch. It could be a battle that goes into the summer and maybe even the fall. Yep. So that'll be something to watch going into next year, because either either it's going to be a battle all the way into the fall or one of them is going to win in the spring and the other guy is going to transfer. Mm hmm. I don't see, you know, it's, it's going to be one of those two things. And if Soraka wants depth on his roster, you know, and Shianu, it might behoove them to wait, to make a pick, to lead on the guy who's losing the battle to try to keep them both on the roster next year.
1: That's frankly what I'm expecting is I'm going to, you know, seeing the first few games of the season, uh, you know, rotating between the two of them and then finally settling on somebody. But yeah, I'm kind of expecting that for sure.
0: Yeah. Which position does your team most need to address in the t- spring transfer portal? I said playmaker here. John, Rutgers lacked playmakers outside of Manungai last year. They just need some other guys who can do something with the balls in their hand, with the ball in their mm-hmm. hands. And then I don't have any information about Rutgers NIL.
1: Neither do I. Yeah, I've, I've not really heard much of anything about it. Yeah. I'm not saying it doesn't I exist. Either. I just don't know anything about it.
0: Yeah, I don't know how that's going at all. So that is what it is. John, any last thoughts about uh, Rutgers before you move on?
1: I think there's a lot to be excited about as a Rutgers, as a Scarlet Knights fan. Um, I think that you have a great coach. I think he's moving things in the right direction. I know it took a little while to get there, but see, this is how patience pays off. And, you know, maybe UCLA should take note. And um, I think uh, that we're going to be able to see some more exciting play. I'm looking forward to seeing how they are this season. and. It could be exciting, man. I think, I think Manunga' is only going to get better. And I think that defense oh, yeah. is only going to get better. So I could see possibly seven wins for this team this year. I'm not, I mean, it's way too early, but it would not surprise me at this point.
0: Yeah. Rutgers is going to be a tough out this fall. I believe yep. that. Just this like could that. be
1: the year that they do get that signature win.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And they're going to have a lot of games where they're going to have a chance for it too. Yep. All right. Let's move on and talk about the UCLA Bruins. John our, our UCLA uh source is at Bruinsource. Source. So, thank Perfect. you at Bruin Source for all your uh, all the good stuff you gave us. What position groups were good in 2023-24? DL was great. Latu was one of the best pass rushers in the nation, will be an NFL first rounder. Murphy Twins also brought some pass rushing heat. And Jay Toya and Gary Smith were solid run stuffers all season. Linebackers played well with uh, Kane Madrano having a coming out party, which struggled. O- offensive line was pretty terrible all season long. Pass protection was particularly bad, but the O-line hampered our offense significantly. Which position coaches were successful or unsuccessful in your opinion? He says uh, Mallow and Ken Norton Jr. with DL and linebackers were both good. and Deshaun Foster coached the running backs. Well said, Jeff Ferris put a good group of tight ends on the field. Tim Drevno, the OL coach is the obvious choice for coaches who underperformed. What injuries hurt the most Gary Smith on the DL. We lost also lost all three of their QBs to injury at some point during the season. So they were fairly lucky with injuries, the rest of the roster, but they really struggled with the QB room, which was unfortunate. Mm. What were your most pivotal games and how did they go? They mostly went poorly, laugh out loud. (laughs) We lost key games to Utah, Oregon State, and ASU that hamstrung our season. The one game that we always have circled is against Southern Cal, and that surprisingly went incredibly well, embarrassing them on their home field. How do you feel about the coaching staff, and were there any coaching changes, staff changes during or after the season? What are your thoughts on the new and departing coaches? Well, Bruin Source has been vocal about how they thought Chip Kelly has been a poor coach for a few years, and it wasn't any different this year. He's gone now, and Deshaun Foster is the new sheriff in town, and they couldn't be happier with Deshaun Foster and the energy he's bringing. So, yeah, he says, do do your new coaches seem better or worse than the coaches they replaced? By virtue of not being Chip Kelly, we're excited. (laughs) Which is fair. But there are open questions around Coach Foster since he's never been a head coach or even a coordinator. That being said, he's breathing life into the program with being more personable, engaging the community, and rallying donors. So he said he he said he's already done more in the past week than Chip did in his whole tenure on that front. So Oof. that's impressive, at least. And also, boy, Chip Kelly, what was he doing? Yeah. <laughs> Which playmakers will make an immediate impact next year? He said he's uh, excited to see they're excited to see TJ Harden step into the featured back role. He has the talent to really take it up a notch. And how did you do in the transfer portal, both losing and gaining players? So they lost some key players in the secondary, which hurts a lot. But obviously, five star quarterback Dante Moore is the biggest loss. Um, other than that, they've got some they brought in some key guys who can help them. So they've got Ramon Henderson from Notre Dame, safety Brian Addison from Oregon, offensive lineman Michael Carmody, Michael Carmody from Notre Dame and. Uh, KJ Wallace, at cornerback from Georgia Tech. So it remains to be seen how many of these guys can plug and play, but you know they're bringing in guys who can potentially make an impact, and that's always good. I said, what are your thoughts about all three coordinators? And they said they're unsure since most of the staff needs to be filled out. They said if Malo remains at DC, he has some previous DC experience, and DL under him has always been good. So that's their that's their hope there. What letter grade would you give your team for this past season? They said they'd be charitable and give them a D. Hmm. So that's hard. I mean, didn't UCLA went eight and five, didn't they? I think so. I was going to say that's a harsh, that's a harsh grade for an eight and five year.
1: Well, and that's, you know, Chip Kelly, even though he's not the greatest recruiter and he's, you know, kind of torpedoed that program, still won consistently, I think, seven, eight games. Yeah. Like, not he's, bad. He's,
0: the guy can coach. He just yeah. doesn't want to recruit or yep. glad hand donors. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, but they gave him a D. So there you go. All right.
1: I mean, look, I I think it's, you know, maybe he's just disappointed, which I get, you know, with like the end result of the season and obviously finding out that Chip Kelly has been desperate just to want to leave. And that's never going to make you feel good. And so you maybe I think like you're like, well, what if he wanted to be there? How would this season may have have transpired? Yeah,
0: that's a really good point
1: that's you know that that would be on my mind so of course if i'm like well if if you can still win seven eight games when you don't even want to be here what would, what could have happened if you cared yeah and that's very disappointing so yeah i i can see why why some why he might want to you know give that that letter grade as a d just because you know if that's all of you know if you have all of that
0: knowledge that's that's very disappointing
1: for sure yeah
0: What position groups are you most excited to see going into spring ball and why? They said QB with Ethan Garbers, finally getting his first full offseason as QB1. Hyped also to see TJ Harden become the feature back. And then they really want to see the offensive line develop during the spring. Which position group does your team most need to address in the spring transfer portal? They said offensive line, safety, and cornerback. Both DB spots are needs. They've got a couple guys coming in, but these positions still feel weak. That'll be interesting to track, John, because as you know, offensive linemen are really hard to find in the portal, so we'll have to see if if UCLA can track any of them down. Yep. How is your team doing NIL-wise? Is your collective growing? Um, They said... Or do you do you you go Ohio State pay for play or wait till guys produce on the field? Kip Chip Kelly largely ignored ignored NIL completely and the infrastructure is lacking. That being said, they do have a collective set up men of Westwood and Foster has really hit the ground running with donors. So there's been a big push and they think their NIL momentum is going to pick up is picking up considerably. So that's good to hear. Mm -hmm. What is your expectation for? Oh, no, we're not doing that one. All right. That's that's are you or no. Oh, yeah. Great. That's our UCLA review. All right. Yeah, I mean, I think UCLA, it's be
1: excited that you're in the Big Ten. You now have the possibility to make more money, therefore, hopefully expand on your NIL and your recruiting footprint. And I think there's things about that, you know, but just you're going to have to be patient you're it's gonna take a while um you know i i hope not for your sake it, it didn't take as long as rutgers to kind of get to you know start get things moving but like you know it could um but i hope that's not the case hopefully it's only a few years of struggle and then you can start being more competitive and you know at least get up to that mid-tier of winning six seven eight games uh because that is going to be six six wins a season might be a very good season for for a team like UCLA. Or any team, you know, a lot of teams in the big, a team now, that, now that how it's all changed. So
0: a lot of teams that aren't the four or five helmet schools at the top of the league. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. We're, I'm
1: excited that you're there and uh, we're looking forward to all four of these teams um, coming in. And uh, this is, yeah, just thank you so much for, for contributing both of you. And, we're just really appreciative, as always, to all of our contributors throughout the week and everyone else who kind of gives us tidbits of information. This is great. And uh, we just look forward to continuing to work with working with all of you.
0: Yes, we are very excited. So thanks again to Ben K Digital and, to at, Bruinsor, at, ben K Digital and at Bruinsource and we are excited. John, we only have two more review episodes and then we're into spring ball. It's crazy. I
1: know it's, it's already going by too fast. I mean, I know it's been a little bit of doldrums here, but like, it's all going by really fast. We do know that like come like June and July, it's like, ugh, it gets cause you're just falls, seeing, off, a cliff. falls off a cliff. You're just wanting to hurry up and get there, but we're not there yet.
0: No, There's for now, for come. now we'll continue doing once a week and we'll let you know if we start to go more in infre- infrequently for a month or two there. Yeah. And for, for, Keeping track of that, you can
1: find us, We Live for Saturday, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Podcast Addict. You can find us on Twitter at We Live for B1G Sat. You can find Mike at Alibaba 26. And you can find me, John, at Norwegian Gopher. You can also email us with any questions, inquiries, anything you want to hear about, talk about, um, at We Live for Saturday, B1G at gmail.com.
0: Yes, and uh, continue contributing. I'm not sure when we're going to get around to it, but we're definitely going to do a mailbag episode at some point. So hit us up, you know, email us, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up wherever, and we'll uh, and we'll be good to go. Yep, sounds good. All right, John, should we get out of here? Yeah, let's get out of here. Uh,
1: everybody, cross your fingers for this inspection. Hopefully, it goes well.
0: <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. fingers <laughs> crossed that the home works out and that you are moving to Minnesota soon, John. Can't wait. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody.